When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Besides the screen you spent most of your time staring at this week, chances are you are also captivated by a big screen video installation. From billboards to scoreboards, we inform and entertain audiences with our big screen solutions. Visit bigscreenvideo.com.au to see how BSV can bring your space to life. Hi, it's Brett Phillips here, host of The First Serve, and thank you for downloading the latest edition of In The Huddle, one of our podcast offerings here at The First Serve. You can get your weekly live tennis fix with our show every Monday night on the SCN Radio Network at 7pm Eastern. All the broadcast details of where you can listen can be found at thefirstserve.com.au. In the Huddle was created to give student-athletes, parents and coaches an inside look at the journey through US college sport and all that comes with it. The demands, the experiences, the excitement and the opportunities available to our student-athletes from around the world. Study and Play USA facilitates a comprehensive, customised approach for student-athletes and families for their whole journey, from their high school preparation years right through to US college graduation. Welcome to this very special episode of In the Huddle. We're sitting down with a retired college coach, but not just any coach. He is one of the college system's longest standing coaches with over 660 career wins, 12 conference championships, 17 NCAA tournament appearances, and plenty of other highlights. And what's even more special is that this coach was the college coach of Study and Play USA founder, Chris Bates. My name is Alexia, and I had the pleasure of reminiscing with Chris and his legendary coach, James Wadley, for a few moments. Joining us from Oklahoma, welcome Coach Wadley. Thank you. Glad to be hey, here. Coach. How are you doing? Great, great. Haven't, you don't look a day older than when I last saw you. Oh yeah, I'm sure that's not true, but uh, <laughs> uh, I'm still above the dirt and still kicking, so that's good. That's a good start, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, let's get right into it. Um, coach, Chris has been telling me stories about his college days for the last 20 years. So I'm looking forward to hearing your perspective on some of those stories as we go today, and perhaps you can maybe set the record straight. Um, but firstly, how's retirement treating you? Oh, it's good. You know, I miss uh, tennis and athletes and the competition and, and things like that, but uh, it, it's been really good. I've been able to watch my seven grandkids uh, do every kind of sport there is. We've got some of them in baseball and a couple of them in tennis and uh, golf and, uh, you know, now, because I have three kids, you've got to go to all the events because they keep score <laughs> on which ones you go to and which ones you don't, how long you stay. So I've been able to watch a lot of baseball, a little bit of tennis, a little bit of golf and, and, and enjoy myself. And of course, I, I like to fish and hunt and do things and uh, yeah. be active. I can't sit around. I've got a couple of little businesses that I run too. So it just keeps me energetic and keeps me going. Good. Sounds good. Good to hear. <laughs> um, and I suppose that college coaching and recruiting has changed quite a bit um, from when you started and, and when you finished in recent years. Can you tell us what are some of the biggest changes you saw over that period in college recruiting? Well, I mean, 
the biggest changes is they've got bigger budgets for recruiting than they did. And of course, television and, and uh, computer age has changed everything. You know, when Chris came, I, I probably showed him pictures of some other facilities. They can get on the computer and see exactly what you have. And that's kind of depressing. Showing the porta potties at Oklahoma State wasn't a good thing. So uh, <laughs> those but, uh, are the dice. Those that's are the changed. And then, you know, I told them I was building a new facility every year, too, which didn't quite happen sometimes. So you have to be a little bit more truthful in recruiting today than you did before. But, and it's worldwide recruiting. Uh, you can't go everybody finds out about good players. It's harder to find good players that don't know the difference between UCLA and Oklahoma State. They know it's the college program that's going to let them come and get an education and play the sport they love. And, you know, the sun shines every once in a while, you know. So it, it, it was, it's harder to, to recruit the best players sometimes to come to the Midwest instead of Florida, Texas, California, where they all know the sun shines and, and the major sports are, I mean, tennis players are located from those eight, uh, regions. But uh, the assistant coaches now, pretty much everyone has a full-time assistant coach, which really does an awful lot of the recruiting that uh, one coach did for many, many years. And, uh, uh, and they do a good job. Uh, now they have a volunteer coach too, which uh, I, I had a fifth year guy for a while. And then finally I was able to get an assistant coach and a part salary jobs, uh, you know, for a few years there at the end, which was good. But recruiting is, is it's kind of like shaving. You better do a little bit every day or you look really bad. You have that growth <laughs> on your chin, you know, like Chris does. So you've got to keep after it and, and get after it every day to, to compete and uh, um, there's no secrets and and uh, with uh, uh, Twitter and everything else, players interested in your school can talk to the players on your team uh, through the internet and, and find out whether you're a, a good coach, a bad coach, a, a terrible coach or whatever. And sometimes they're trying to protect a position on the team too. They might not tell the kids the correct things either. So it, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's different, but it's mm -hmm. always been a one-on-one -on -one, uh, deal, selling you, selling yourself and selling the school to a player that's going to come thousands of miles across the ocean to live with you for, they all think maybe one semester, but it really <laughs> ends up four and five years on a lot of them. Everybody thinks they're six months away from turning pro and being on national TV and making millions of dollars. And, yeah. and when they get over here, sometimes that realization they're playing number five and they go, how, must be the coach. <laughs> he, he must have messed up my game somehow. So you know. sounding familiar, <laughs> coach. Story, I'm, right? I'm guilty as charged there, coach. I think, I, I think I lost my first six matches. I think you had me a number. I think you had me a number one. Yeah, it can happen. And everybody's thinking, God, I'm coming over here and playing college tennis. It can't be very good. And everybody thinks they should play one. Then here's this big, bad coach writing down one, two, three, four, five, six. And it, it, it puts it, makes it tough, but that's why you have practices and you can have some matches and practice, but the wars you, I never did like challenge matches because guy, the line calling got real tough. Plus their vision got really good and, and bad. And, uh, you know, you ended up fighting with each other because you want to beat each other more than you wanted to beat an opponent uh, out on another school. So it, it got tough, but, uh, 
finally, when they got to see enough players, they, they kind of realized where they fit on the team and, 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 and where they were as far as ranking against other college players. And then they decided that education might be something that I need a little bit more than I thought when I came here. And, right. and that usually works out. And uh, I've had a lot of players that played for me. I always told them back when Chris played, if you play for me for four years, you can guarantee you can make more than an accountant graduating from Oklahoma State the first year as a teaching pro somewhere because you'll be the best player in town and, and you've got, if you've listened to me for four years and paid any attention, you know kind of how to teach or how to hit shots and, and you can make a living out of this sport. And even if you go back to your country, you're going to play and, and, and have enough talent to form a business out of your skills. And yeah. uh, that, that worked really well for a lot of people. Uh, that came over. Now, some people didn't last the whole four years, and some people uh, just didn't want the education and went mm -hmm. back home, but an awful lot of them stayed and got their degree here, and a lot of them stayed in the United States, and a lot of them went home. It just depends on what happens to everybody. Some of them meet that girl over here that kind of entices them to stay in the United States, and uh, some girls that come over meet guys, too, but a lot of them take them back or go to Australia and find that beautiful Australian girl over there, too, to make their <laughs> life great, so, you know, it's just... Well, well, well said, Kevin. well said, well said. Yeah. And it's, it's just, you know, it's the same, but it's different. It's on a bigger scale, and uh, coaches are making a lot more now, so the pressure is a lot more. I think the first few years, our athletic director didn't know when our season was and whether we won or not, <laughs> you know, but now ADs know because they're paying a coach 200000 250000 500000 at a few schools around the country. So you know about tennis anymore and you know mm -hmm. uh, uh, there's pressure on those coaches to be successful. Serious and, uh, business. It makes it different. It makes it difference. Yeah. I didn't have a lot of pressure on me. I put a lot of pressure on me. And I put some on the players too, because it was their team and uh, everything there. And uh, it was their responsibility to, to play the best they could every time they went on the court. And I got unhappy with players that didn't give their all or gave up or didn't hustle or just played stupid sometimes. But I realized <laughs> that it takes a while to get to where you don't play stupid. I did, I played stupid too. And finally to learn a little bit more about the game and try to take the mistakes out. And you can't hit a, running forehand, left-handed across court at a severe angle, you know, things like that all the time. You've got to hit it back down the middle and give the other guy a chance to miss. And, and you've got to play with a partner and you can't roll your eyes and, you know, when they miss a shot and things like that. But uh, uh, I, I was really fortunate with Australians because they're traditionally good team guys. Even though it's an individual sport to a great deal, they were a little more team-oriented than some other countries that I've had players. And, and they also like doubles which a lot yeah. of the other foreign players don't like doubles very much, but the Australians really did play and they served in volley more than other people, which made doubles better for them. And since I was a doubles player, I did better in doubles than I did in singles. We played a lot of doubles and we practiced a lot of doubles while we were over here too. Yeah. Sure did. Remember those days very well. well no, it's good. Well, it's good. Listen, it's good listening uh, to all that coach taking me straight down memory lane. <laughs> well, that, well, while you're talking about recruiting, do you remember your first memories of meeting coach? I remember meeting coach for the first time. Absolutely. We were, I was playing, I was playing in a, what's called a satellite tournament, semi-pro event, um, pre-college and um, 
I had some guys that were playing the tournament that were at Oklahoma State, um, and they mentioned that the coach was coming to watch and he might come and have a watch of my match. So um, I remember I played pretty well, actually. So I um, qualified for the main draw, and then I just remember coach talking to me after the match. He didn't draw a breath for about 20 minutes, talking about <laughs> talking about my game and what I could work on, and it was good. I I, I enjoyed that, and um, you know, then we had lunch with the team and did all those types of things, and it just yeah, just probably just went from there. But I do remember meeting coach. He's very much the way he is right now. So very, <laughs> very uh, got a lot to say, but um, you know, um, it's it's for someone who's been around and already at that point, it, um, coach was already very experienced. So. Um, you know, you, you listen. So I, yeah. I remember that. And I remember sort of starting to, because I was one of the guys that coach just talked about. I was one of the guys that coach talked about who probably thought I was better than what I was. And I was going to come for a semester and then get out of there. And, but then the more I spoke and hung around people that were in college and coach himself, I felt like, okay, this is something that I should be really looking at long-term. But even then, even then, as, as coach knows, I, that, that wasn't the way it worked for me. I took, I took a couple of attempts for me to realize that um, college was where I needed to be, but it took me a while. But anyway, I do remember that very well that first time. And then when I first arrived on campus, coach picked me up at about midnight from the airport and um, told me about a thousand jokes that I, you know, <laughs> can't remember. They're all now. clean. They're all clean. Sure. Very, very clean. <laughs> There was one about Theta Pond, which I remember wasn't. Oh, that was, bad. that was bad. I remember that one too. That was a dad joke from way back, but it was good. I enjoyed it. Good. But um, but I do remember that, and it was snowing, and you know I think we nearly hit a deer on the way home, and it was just it was just a really bizarre first night. And, um, and then of course the very next night we had Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State basketball went triple overtime. Keontae uh -huh. Roberts hit the winning shot, yeah, and then, right. and then all, the, all, that stuff, see? all the all the students stormed the court, and I said, "Man, this place is pretty darn awesome. I think I might yeah, stay here for a bit." That, <laughs> and the players that Chris talked to, the players recruit other players too. Yeah, I mean, uh, hearing it from me that it's great and everything, but when he hears it from players that are on my team, that it's a good experience and the coach is fair, and and you'll enjoy the campus, you'll enjoy the the events, uh, that means a lot more to a, a uh, to an athlete than even coming from the coach or administrators, anyone else. And yeah. players, yeah. if they want you on their team, it's really important too, that they, they seek out good players so they'll have a good team. Uh, I've had some players that, that I was interested in and the players talked to them today, you don't want this guy, you know, you don't want him. Even though he's saying all the right things, you don't want him. Yeah, and then as a coach, you've got to take their word for it and kind of, kind of move away. Yeah, uh, you know. So you, you've got each other's backs a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. You got to some, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah. The Australians would recruit other Australians a lot too, which is good. Yeah. yeah. Well, what, uh, coach? What's um, I suppose? What do you remember about Chris and his tennis game? You know, when you maybe first saw him, and potentially, you know, over that first year. At college well you know he he served in volley a lot and he loved the forehand and uh he could do he could do everything he just made too many errors at first like every tennis player that comes into college or any young player they try to hit the biggest shots all the time and, and it just doesn't work i mean if you can't hit them in practice you can't be hitting them in a match you can't yeah change everything you've got to play like you practice 
and play within that structure. And Chris didn't do that. He, he <laughs> wanted to hit a big, big serve and a big volley and win every point that way and go on. And, and if he was down 30 love, well, let's get this game over and I can serve again. You know, he didn't compete as hard when he was on defense as he did on offense, which is normal for most players. And what will I always told him, what will break a guy's back if you come back from 40 love down and then break them, then it just, that can decide the whole match. And, yeah. uh, and, and you need to hit more balls, uh, uh, whether it's when you're trying to stay in a match or whatever. Give the other op guy an opportunity to screw up. But develop your weapons, whatever they are, whatever your big shots are, but don't neglect your, your things you don't like to do. Because when a, an opponent find out, finds out what you don't want to do, that's what you're going to get if they're very good. And if you're smart and y'all are equal opponents, the smarter player is going to win. Uh, uh, playing the correct shots and doing the right thing and moving, hustling and fighting for every point. Because anytime a player's played their best, they're always scrambling and fighting and scratching and, and, and doing things like that to win. So if you're that player, that's what I want to see. And yeah. uh, getting them to where, getting players to where they give their maximum all the time is tough because tennis is so stressful, every point, every, everything. It's not like you get to take off like you do in soccer and some other sports. You can kind of float over in a background. In tennis, it's every point. You're right there, and people are watching, and, and you've got to perform. And, and when you're stupid, you look stupid. And, but when you're good, you look good. And you've got to try to look good more than you look stupid, you know. So, uh, but Chris was young and growing. I obviously got to see the talent there. He had good hands. He had, had good eyes. He was quick. Uh, and that, I love lefties because they're always fun. Uh, they're harder to coach sometimes because they're little freaks in some ways. But, but uh, you know, it's just different. But uh, I enjoyed lefties a lot. And, and Chris was he, – he had a lot of pride. Uh, he didn't like to lose. And mm -hmm. that's what – a coach really respects that in players and you know he wasn't six four and have a monster serve and just overwhelm people yeah but he was good at everything he didn't yeah. have any distinct weaknesses of course in his book that he wrote he said the only thing i looked at was his serve which i could swear his volleys backhand volley was a little shaky at first and, and worked <laughs> on all those volleys I, I, shots for a little week and i didn't have enough room in the book short and you know yeah. typical things that most players come into college with chris had so yeah i didn't i didn't want i didn't have enough room in my book to talk about all there my you go. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Just, just I thought, oh, that was the only thing wrong chris must have been better than i thought serve <laughs> you know now, this uh, is the banter that he tells me about in all of his stories between you two. Well, and Chris always had a good personality, which, you know, makes life a lot easier for coaches and teammates and everything else. Mm. You know, he, he had a quick smile and, and everything else. And, and he tried to be a good example when he got a little bit older for the other players, too, and help them when he could. And that's what tennis is all about. And that's what's special about it. You develop a bond and where you're you've won or lost and you're over there, you know, cheering for the other guys that are on the team trying to win the match and, and everything like that. And then you get a, a little, little team loyalty and a team pride going. And Chris is really good with that. He didn't like yeah. to lose and that makes it good. It makes it fun. Yeah. I've, uh, our son is exactly the same. Doesn't like to lose. So I've got two of them in the house coach. So you can feel uh, sorry for me. Good. That's good. <laughs> Better than, than have that in their head down all the time and just, not competing, you know. Very true. 
Very yeah. true. I've always had kids. I didn't have one that just sat over in the corner. My kids are kind of like me. They're all over the place going. And I like <laughs> that. I, I want them to be moving and doing things, whether they're doing some things wrong or right. I just want them active and, and happy and smiling and having a good time. And uh, yeah. uh, today with those things that they do makes it a little bit more difficult. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Trying to get them to play tennis when they can have a world on that screen. It's unbelievable. It, it just, it worries me about our younger society of kids that, uh, they're not going to be outside. They're not going to do as much. Of course, this world may be getting where we're not going outside and we're just doing things and remotely yeah. and everything. But, uh, I, I worry about kids not getting the experiences that Chris had and not being out on their own a little bit where the pressure gets on you and teaches you about life, about yeah. dealing with people and authority and all those things that they need instead of having mom and dad there protecting them all the time and and them playing video games all the time. So, yeah, yeah I think agreed. I think that's kind of why I wrote the book, actually, Coach, because all of my lessons I learned um, were on reflection. You know, during college, I was too immature to realize what I, what was all happening. But it's only when you it's only when you go back, and then you start imparting your experience onto other people and helping them, you just start to self reflect. You say, "Gee, I, I actually." The biggest thing I got out of college was nothing to do with tennis, really. In the end, it was all these, all the other things that you said, like things that can go wrong, and you know, all that. How so, you deal with that? Yeah. So yeah, getting away from my family, which was a very close family, probably a fairly protective family, sure. um, was 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 good for me. Um, it didn't mean I didn't love didn't love them, you know. No, you, no, you, no. But but um, I, I I think I needed to do it. So, but yeah, no, you're right. It's all all um, all good points there. Um, and you couldn't talk to them like you can today either. I mean, you can communicate so much better with relatives and family. And now with all the tennis, people can watch the matches in Australia. And it's yeah. amazing how nice those things are now. Where Chris, he'd get a phone call once a week or every couple of weeks. And it was expensive. Mm -hmm. and, you know, yeah. uh, he was trying to eat out of a cereal box in the summer most of the time to yeah. trying to survive, you know. Uh, but it's a lot better for kids today because with Zoom now, it's even better than it was before. So they can communicate a lot better. Students that come to Australia, they don't from Australia to the United States to play tennis or any sport. They, they're not so far away from home that Chris was further away from home at the time. Now they can still get that security and still gripe about the coach to their parents a little bit, you know, at home. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the coach's fault. When you win, it's the players. When you lose, it's the coach. And that's part of it. And that's fine. My, my first semester coach, it was all your fault. It was the wind. It was the courts. It was oh, everything. everything. And anything but me. <laughs> I said, you can, I, I, one time I made a list of about 100 things. And I gave them to all the players. Like, oh, it's the wind. Well, you were on my case yesterday. Just all the excuses you have. And I said, just tell me a number. You don't have to say all of it. Just say 14, a little 26, a little 19. That made it a lot easier because excuses are everywhere. They're easy to find. You know, if you want them, they're there. So I made it a little bit easier for them. They, they got a big laugh out of that, I think. Yeah. Do you find that that gets less the, you know, the longer they're in, in college? Do you think that's, you know, strong in a freshman? And then as they progress, they start to learn that, you know, there's more things. It's, it's um, more things to it, I suppose. Well, so... It, it has good and bad because it, it kind of messes with their dreams. Players come over here and they honestly expect to really blossom because they're growing older to be on the pro tour and making a lot of money. 
and when you come over here and if you're getting beating practice and matches and then that kind of destroys a little bit of that and then they've got to start looking to see hey wait a minute if i don't have tennis if i'm not going to make millions i better figure out something else i'm going to be able to do get a business degree or or, or accounting or engineering anything that you want is here if you want it it's right there but it takes work and discipline just the same way it does tennis but if you manage your social life you can get the best of all the worlds you can have a good social life fun do things you can get great academics as good as you want and then you can have good tennis too if you manage your time well and, and put your priorities straight you can really have a full life of everything but if you don't if you leave one of them out then it gets a little bit more tenuous and uh, tougher so yeah. I, I try to get the players to do it all and I, that doesn't mean go out drinking and partying and all the time like that because if you do any one of them over i've had guys i said god you guys are spending too much time in the classroom you're studying way too much we lost this match what's the deal you know <laughs> yeah they laugh some of them but, yeah <laughs> you know. I well, said, what are you here for to get an education you know but you know you you want them to not overload on any one of the three mm. and they're going to overload on it. It probably better be the education part. Yeah. But I've had guys spend up, stay all night and the next day just dragging. I said, Hey, that's just poor planning. If you had to stay yeah. up all night to study for a test, you should have patterned it out where you didn't have to do that. You're hurting yeah, right. because you didn't manage your time correctly. And of course they go, yeah, coach. Well, <laughs> but still, you know, I yeah. always tell them, this is the greatest time of your life. You're 18 to 22. Mm -hmm. Gee, this is as good as it gets. You get to get an education, have campus life and play tennis and go to states and places that you would never go and all paid for. It's, that's going to change not, abruptly. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not silly, Coach. Chris, Chris tells me that meeting me and having our son is the best time of his life, but I'm no fool. That, I, I think that's no probably fool. true. That's the best time of my life, too. Yeah. Well, I don't know. With her looking at me, giving me those dirty looks, well, after the baby's born, it's not good, but uh, yeah. <laughs> it's great. It is great. Uh, well, every time we come back your way, he, he tries to get recruited again, but there's, you know, there's no masters for that. And, you know, he's, yeah. he's a bit broken yeah. these days, so it won't well, be happening. You're, you're the coach now. <laughs> you have to understand. You're in yeah. charge. Yeah. Same way yeah. in my house. I'm not in charge. I get a vote sometimes. Of course, I had two girls early when Chris was here. I, I was outvoted every day of my life. The only place I had any power was at the tennis court, not at home. <laughs> Fair point. Well, I've got a question for both of you, and I'm gonna, going to ask you first, Coach. So, and it touches on what you just um, spoke about was the holistic experience of, of college life. Um, and I'm going to talk about the time that Chris was there specifically. Um, yeah of if you could tell us some of uh, you know one of your fondest memories of an off-court sort of experience with the team um and then an on-court one as well and i'm going to ask chris the same you know the teams when you get 74 years old they kind of run together you know yeah the, the stories might be different but it may be a team that he wasn't even on you know yeah i mean we've been on road trips in the van is a really good coaching time. That's when I did a lot of coaching was in the van. If I could get them to listen <laughs> after a match, whether we won or lost, we went over things, what we did wrong or what we did right. And we did a lot of things like that. But I, 
I, we've stopped at service stations and gone in and get snacks and get back in the van and start out and someone look around. Where's Chris? <laughs> or where's, where's Bill? Well, isn't he here? Nope, we left him 30 miles back. He was in the bathroom at the, the service station. So the quick trip or whatever it was. So, yeah. you know, that. And, and we had some good arguments in the car about religion, uh, politics, uh, life, uh, girl boy relationships, all country, kinds of country interesting music. things. Country music, there was a lot of debate about that. When we lost, I'd turn that sucker up pretty loud and made him listen to it <laughs> on the way home. So. A lot of things like that, and you had guys that didn't get along sometimes. And yeah, they weren't, you know, on the team. They didn't like to hit with each other. They didn't like to play doubles with each other, whatever. And I always told them, I want to put out little fires. When it gets real big fires, I, I don't have the skills maybe to take care of it. But I want to take care of it when it's small, where we can talk it out and work it out, and you know, make it where it'll go away if we can. Mm. And we've yeah. had some of those in the van, and where the whole team would kind of. Yeah, old lazy butt over there is letting us down, or you know he's he's staying out too late. Or you, you come together and kind of uh, iron some things out, uh, and, and it's not fun sometimes. It's a critical time because players will be more critical of each other than I will be of them sometimes. So, mm. but uh, we've had some interesting road trips and and what? staying in hotels are a little shaky at the time. We've had a mm. few of those and. Uh, yeah. La Cocorotean, we called them La Cocorotean <laughs> every once in a while. Uh, and, and we ran out of gas a few times, not many, but a few. We yep. had the windshield wipers wouldn't work in a rainstorm, and I'm out there doing this. We've been yep. around the roads a few times. So there's, I've put more van miles on than any coach in the history of Oklahoma State. Oh, no doubt. We drove the van to practice three or four times a week during the winter. We drove to most of our matches. Uh, what was the longest trip we had with you, Chris? Did we go to Corpus? In the van, in the van. Corpus was a van Corpus trip. Was what's, about, what's about eight, nine hours? Oh, it's learning. That's 14, probably 14. Yeah, there you go. Yes, that, that, was, that was awesome. Oh, no? we, we, um, yeah. we, we loaded up on some, some Jim Carrey funny videos and movies, and then the rest oh, yeah. of the trip we were listening, listening to your country music or, or something. So. <laughs> well, now they, they charter buses now for the teams to go. Mm. It's pretty nice now. I would love to sit back instead of, you know, white knuckling and when the wind's blowing and <laughs> one time when we got in a snowstorm and, and, and had a tornado at the same time. We saw the yeah, tornado yeah. and had a snowstorm at the same time in Lovett, Texas. At, at one, out two different windows at one side. Yeah, it's just crazy. Just crazy. You know, Chris pulls the, uh, with some of our student athletes that we work with, the, um, you know, back in my day, he's at that age now where he can say the back in my day. Mm -hmm. And it's to do with those road trips. You know, he oh, talks yeah. about, you know, a couple of years back when we came and visited you and, and saw the new facilities. Mm. You know, that's when he talks now of, well, back in my day, you know, in the winter, we had to drive an hour and a half to practice every night. There were no six indoor courts. Week, six or seven days a week. We, that's it. And yeah, he and talks it as the best part. Because we had no choice. We went when the weather's bad and the AD didn't know how bad it was. Thank goodness. He probably wouldn't let us go. And then we, we just couldn't do well if you're not practicing. So yeah, it, it was interesting, but, uh, uh, you know, you had eight guys, usually seven or eight guys, sometimes six depends on injuries and everything, but, uh, they got there in close quarters all the time. So they had to learn to live with each other and the coach yelling at them and saying things to them. Maybe the, uh, no, they never heard from any other coach before. 
being critical of you and uh, no one likes that. And uh, sometimes I might've been a little bit colorful with some comments that I made <laughs> that I wouldn't be able to get away with today if I was still coaching, but. Uh, and, uh, well, uh, I, I, I enjoyed it all. I think it's all part of getting out of your comfort zone, to be honest. But you know, at the time, yeah, you're right. I didn't like it, but it was, you know, you often don't like what's good for you sometimes. So, sometimes. so, mm -hmm. so uh, I, I certainly uh, look back on it, but I well, just got to uh, see Chris coaching now. Sometime I know he's coached a lot. Mm. I'd like to see him talking to some of those players sometimes and uh, correcting things and then we'll give him that look and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. No, I've been definitely been on the other side, and then again, that, that further respect for um, coaches that I've had in the past because you just yeah, you know, it's it's a tough, it's not one. easy, very rewarding, very rewarding, but it, it's it's. I, I always it. loved it when their face lit up when they did something correctly and that ball went just like they wanted it to, and they actually changed something in a grip or a backswing or follow through or something and made them better, and boy, they just glowed for a little bit. That's what was great about coaching yeah absolutely then they forgot how it happened they did it all on their own of course i didn't help them at all they did it all by themselves but you know that's what it is like chris you know <laughs> oh, stop that's it. The best. well i'm now going to turn it on chris and say what are some of your best memories on and off the court from your time at osu uh, well i think yeah obviously the um on court we were lucky we we're I mean, my roommate was the best player in America in singles and doubles. So Pavel Kudinac from Czech Republic, great guy as well. And we had a team of Aussies who had all been at college for a while. So I was the youngest on the team. But, and we had a lot of good wins. But um, my best memory was after those guys left and I was probably one of the senior guys on the team. We Remember we went to Seattle coach and knocked off Tennessee? Yeah, that was, was a big our, win. They, they, down, uh, they were two in the country. That's and right. Still today... That's the, the biggest upset in indoor men's tennis at the National Indoor. A 15 seed beating a number two seed. It's never happened since yeah. then. So that was pretty good. That was, yeah, that was a very good memory. And especially because a lot of the opposition were from the home country as well, including the coach. So it was a, it was a rival that was transported across the Pacific Ocean, that one. But it was, um, that was the best memory on court. But I've got to tell you a very funny story. You may not remember this coach. I think I might have put it in the book. You probably read it, but um, mm -hmm. it was uh, we were playing Cal Berkeley in the in the for the right to get into the Sweet Sixteen, I think, of nationals in my second last year. Maybe it was my last year. Can't remember. But um, anyway, we 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 lost and we didn't play well. But my they were match, good. They were good too. They were very good. But I, I, my match unfortunately ended in pretty bad way with having full body cramps. And anyway, the team. We you know, went to Subway for lunch afterwards and I managed to ease the cramps down. But by the time I got into the Subway again, that the whole team lay me, had to lay me out across all these all the yellow tables of Subway bad. and massage me and tipping salt and Gatorade down pickle my throat. Juice. Pickle juice too, I think. Pickle juice. Oh, I took everything. It was just, <laughs> yeah, right. there was not one muscle in my body that was, was working and, and not contracting. So... Anyway, it was it was peak hour lunchtime, and um, he's laying on the table. Yeah, laying on the table, <laughs> and there's a lot of people that aren't particularly enjoying their lunch right oh. now. To this kid groaning, and then um, I got chaired out of the um, subway. Uh, the subway, and, and again, you got this young little family walking in for a nice, pleasant lunch, and they see this kid with no shirt on, 
getting <laughs> carried out and and then coach just coach just happened to say don't eat the meatball <laughs> and, yeah, uh, that, that sounds like me but, yeah. said it said it to the family and then that set me off the whole team's laughing you know, i've got really bad stomach cramps as a result and um took me about another hour to settle that down but that that was one of my funny off-court memories of coach not funny at the time but that was uh was something i always always like to tell that story but um Coach, I'm just, I'm trying, just um, keen to get your thoughts on, um, you know, how you reckon the actual game of tennis has changed over your career, especially in college. Um, you obviously coached some awesome players uh, who had successful college careers, and some went on to bigger and better things on tour. You, can you talk about how the game's changed, and then maybe just this is your chance to give us a bit of a brag of some of those players as well that have went on to do some good things. But yeah, how do you think the game's changed mainly? You know, the game obviously has gotten away from the serve and volley uh, an awful lot over the years. It's a, it's more of an all-court game uh, with mixed in a little serve and volley every once in a while. The fitness level has just become incredible. The, uh, the athletic things that tennis players can do, the equipment is, you know, crazy good. Strings are really good. You can control the ball a lot more. You can hit a lot harder. <clears throat> You can uh, do many more things with the ball, keep it on the racket a little bit longer. Uh, the serves, of, the velocity's really gotten up. The second serves are so much deeper than they ever were before. Uh, the depth of shots is so much greater. Uh, the balls hit this far from the baseline all the time. They don't hit the net hardly at all, the, the great players. They just don't. They take the net completely out of the game. They, they do. play down the middle a lot more than we did. We were always trying to go cross court or down the line. The really good players will hit the ball down the middle enough so they don't give the other player angles uh, like we did before. We didn't do that very much. We approach some down the middle. Of course, now people don't approach much. The approach shot is kind of a lost art. Underspin is a lost art too. slice. They're, they're used defensively more now. They're not used at all offensively. Um, the, uh, if you don't have a really good support group uh, with the great food, the, the, the handlers, the coaches, and the travel partners, and the hitting partners, and all these things, it's really difficult. You can't just do it. Uh, you know, I remember I, I was at the U.S. Open, and Sam Groff was sleeping on a, a – a rollout bed on the floor of someone else's apartment. And he's a pretty good player, but financially it just gets really tough for those players that aren't just making it strong. You've got to be exceptional and, and you can't just be exceptional one shot anymore. Like Ivo Vinovic had a huge serve and he could survive. Now you can't survive with one shot. You've got to have the, the whole package to be able to have a lot of success. Uh, the balls have even changed. They wear out so quick. We used to open tennis balls and use them for a week and stuff, but more. But now it's one day and they're big as a balloon, which I think is really bad. I don't know what stuff they put on it to make them go bad. It's kind of like razor blades. I've heard that they put chemicals on them to make them get rough. They, yeah. You could have one razor blade and shave for 10 years if, with technology, but they don't want that. They want it to break <laughs> so you can get another one. So same way I think with tennis balls. And uh, Yeah. String has gotten really good. Uh, of course, we used guts some um, a long time ago, and now 
no one uses gut. Well, some of the big time guys do, I guess. And they go through six, seven rackets a match and stuff. It's just uh, amazing. The cost has gone up. The travel costs have really gone up. The equipment costs have gone up. Uh, um, the lower players aren't getting much money to survive on, which I, th I blame the Federers and the Nadals and all that. Because, and the public wants to see those guys. They don't want to see the guy that's just barely making it to the first round, which is yeah. sad. Because to me, the best matches at the U.S. Open and uh, Wimbledon are those first round matches and those exactly. qualifying matches. Yeah. I enjoy them more than watching. I, I wouldn't walk across the street to watch some of these guys play now. I mean, just, yeah. you know, but. Uh, 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 I'm a bit the same, Coach. I'm up, I'd. Yeah, I think day one in a, in a major or, or the last day of qualifying, these are the guys playing for their lives. You, that's, that's, you love watching a desperate match. Whereas, as you say, full respect for those players. They're the best of all time, right. some of those guys. But I'm, I'm the same. I wouldn't, you know, I've been around tennis a long time. I have no desire to go watch them play necessarily. And people will be surprised at that. But I just get more enjoyment out of watching the desperate guys. You know? yeah. Yeah. They always, guys come back to me and say, well, but the pressure's on those guys. I said, you got 60 million in a the bank. There's no pressure. There's no pressure anywhere if you got 60 million in a bank. If you've got 50 in a bank and you got to stay three more days, that's pressure down at the lower deals. Those guys, you know, if they win another title, yippee doo dah. But they don't ever have to worry about anything the rest of their life, the top five guys or six guys. But, you know, and that doesn't appeal to me as much. Uh, even yeah. though Federer is such an unbelievable person to watch play. He's, yes. He's just just amazing and of course the tenacity and uh of connor's and playing with that racket he may have been the best player ever played playing with a badminton racket where everybody else is playing with other stuff but uh i, I like to watch the gritty I, you know i like to watch mcenroe because you never knew what the heck he was going to do you know absolutely and, and he had a lot of pride in doubles and still played doubles which i have a lot of respect for him in that way didn't have much respect for him in any other way <laughs> he's a jerk, and so was Connors, but they were total jerks. But people want to see total jerks sometimes. Yeah. It's marketing. They don't want to see the, the Sampras's that just do things right and just play good and go on down the road. They want to see people blow up. And I remember I talked to McEnroe one time, and, and uh, after he played at Wimbledon, and his deal where he knocked all the cups off of the table and called the Empire an idiot or something, or uh, he said, yeah, it was a $10,000 fine and $10 million worth of publicity. <laughs> <laughs> and he was yeah. absolutely right. He said, I was on the front page, I mean, the sports page of every, every TV in the world. And yep. it cost me $10,000. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, it works, you know. Yep, yep. And that still works today. Sensationalism still works. But I told him, I said, you guys did more for players because umpires and tournament directors used you to not let any of those other players do any of that stuff. So it stopped all of the craziness in the junior tennis because yep. you guys were such idiots. Fair way of looking at it. Uh, it's good. Um, Coach, just, just very quickly, um, you know, with just, just the, of the players that you've coached. So you have, you know, Pavel was my old roommate and number one American. Then I know you had a couple of others. You just want to quickly maybe tell us your top three, well, Vesov uh, got to be 49 in the world. I mean, we've never had a player except Lori McNeil in the girls' ranks that has done anything like that, that got to, uh, you know, uh, 
uh, he's ranked 49 in the world and playing in the U.S. Open and winning rounds and, and things like that. He's playing Davis Cup. He beat uh, Federer and them in a Davis Cup match in doubles and, and, and won a big match, beat Chilich in the finals of a Davis Cup match. And so as far as world recognition, Alex, and of course he stayed here four years too. And Pavel was only here two years, but Pavel won the National Indoor Singles, the National Indoor Doubles, uh, the National Clay Courts. Uh, his second year here, the Big 12, both years at number one singles and number one doubles. We, that year, we were seated number one in singles and doubles at the NCAA tournament. But uh, Martin Dvorak, his doubles partner, had a rib that was bugging him and he just couldn't play, so he lost there. And then Pav was playing by John Roddick at Georgia in the quarterfinals. And Roddick, they were barking dogs and everything at, at Georgia. And, it, we were just a side match with all the thing that's going on and, and Pav lost in a tight match to BCU six, four and a third, or he, he was the best player in the country. And uh, those two stand out. Uh, uh, I've had some other guys that did well. Mark Johnson, who won the big 12, big eight every year. He was there. Peter Mallard, an Australian, won the big eight, whatever position he played eight times. Uh, different things like that. And Chris, of course, is the best left-hander I ever had. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, I've got a good friend of mine, Graham Tams. I know he's probably want to have a shout out to you. So yeah, Graham is great. He was one of my first Australians. Well, Coach, we'd just like to, you know, thank you for your time. It's been amazing to catch up with you, to have a little trip down memory lane. Um, always entertaining. And uh, personally, from, from my point of view, the impact that, you know, yourself and Oklahoma State University and the college experience has had on Chris and, and our lives has been incredible. You know, we now have a 10-year-old son who uh, Skypes with his friends from uh, Stillwater, you know, so with, you know, Chris's friends, kids. So, you know, it's, it's gone full cycle, circle. So we, um, we look forward to catching up with you, hopefully next time we're over there and, um, you know, probably you're due down here too. That's good. Yeah. yeah. I want to thank Chris helping making me be a better coach and all the other Australians that have come over uh, across the ocean to play for Oklahoma State and for me. I really appreciated it and they were great players and I really enjoyed every one of them. Subscribe to the First Serve via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify or your preferred podcast platform to listen at your convenience to all our weekly content, including past editions of In The Huddle, produced by Study and Play USA, as well as our dedicated commercial radio program each Monday on SEN, that you may have missed at 7pm Eastern, Aussies only, and crunching the numbers. Subscribe to The First Serve, your home of tennis. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.